The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Quit making this about thinking these guys are babies, because that's what you treat them like. They're professionals. All of them. And, and this is how this league works. They know it. I know it. That's how it goes. I've been in this league for 40 years. A lot of players got traded on Thursday. Guess what? Don't happen next year. A lot of players go get traded. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where welcome to the darkest timeline. Your Black Mirror version of a Lakers season is finally here. Load mismanagement, intermission impossible, call it what you want. This team is trash, and it isn't fun. (laughs) So after losing to the tanking Atlanta Hawks tonight with LeBron James, Tommy, I ask you now, where do you rank how you currently feel tonight as a Lakers fan? In your top five FML list of worst feelings after a game ever in the last decade? After a specific game, I can't say, but the season as a whole, this is like the biggest WTF season I think <laughs> I can remember. And I'm even going to skip even over the last five years. Like even the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, even that year, like by this point, they had like kind of cleaned it up a little bit. You know, and you were seeing like some flashes until the end and you had like a prime Kobe Bryant who you could kind of like rely on to carry you to the promised land. But it's just, I don't know what's going to happen this year, dude. They look so bad right now. <laughs> they, uh, they came into Atlanta where the Hawks stay screeching. You know, that's from, <laughs> that's from Mike Jaws hit. Um, I don't even know what it's called, but, uh, Mike Muscala rap genius didn't even get his revenge game tonight and um we're all here just sitting left wondering what the hell is going on uh like you said this is pretty reminiscent to the dwight howard steve nash now this is going to be fun season but at least that season had kobe going out before he tore his achilles 
in a most dominant fashion, pretty much dragging the Lakers single-handedly into the playoffs. I don't know if we can even say as much for this current team this season. Uh, the Lakers are 28 and 29 heading into the All-Star break. Boo. They just boo indeed. They just dropped their last game tonight to the Atlanta Hawks, 113-117. And I don't even want to talk about the game. That was just a horrid, abysmal, embarrassing don't want to performance. Talk about that 18 points in the fourth quarter. Nah, man. The Hawks were we were trying to outtank each other. It seemed like. At the end of the game there, turnover after turnover from each team. The Hawks hadn't scored for six minutes, and the only points we had were LeBron James free throws. It was inexcusable. We have LeBron James on our team. Well, what is going on? We are only nine games ahead of the Hawks, and there's plenty of games less left in the season. So maybe we are trying to get down. That is so These sad. These tiebreaker games are very important. Hey, but here we are. Tonight's episode is going to be... I had planned out this entire episode to kind of be a little bit more hopeful where we would break down the remaining schedule for the Lakers in comparison to the Kings, to the Clippers. But after tonight's game, I'm just so exhausted. I'm so degaff about all this that, I don't know, maybe we're just going to vent it out and uh, hopefully be a cathartic release to Lakers fans who are kind of grasping at straws right now. Because, man, it is... Yeah, it is the darkest timeline. I don't I don't even know what to say. Um, before we continue to vent and just uh, try and commiserate with one another, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes, because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many times Rob Palinka will ride a trolley and push pastors and fiancés together amidst a crowded car like it's no one's business, thereby somehow getting us our second max star. Who knows how that analogy relates to getting a second Max Star, but that's all we can hope for. So yes, please rate and review us on iTunes. I think we're still two reviews away from 300, so yeah, it would really help us out if you could help us bust through that uh, This Is Sparta 300 wall that we can't seem to break through, just like the Lakers. Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Whether it's a dollar or two dollars, anything helps with regards to donating. Whether you only donate for one month or donate for several months throughout the year. It helps us out a lot. Also, even though we're currently not on Stitcher, you can now find us on Spotify. Tommy, did you know you could find us on Spotify I, now? I did not. You can put yourself on a, on your own playlist along with uh, reggae pop hits. It's very, uh, very, uh, very disturbing. <laughs> um, lastly, if you want to feel better about yourself and watch something other than the Lakers... On February 22nd, do not miss DreamWorks Animation's How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, the final chapter to an almost decade-long saga chronicling the strong bond between a boy and his pet dragon. And this time, his pet dragon's got a lady friend. So, bow chicka wow wow. But seriously, whether you have kids or not, check it out. The animation flight scenes are phenomenal. Got an early screening, obviously, because I work at DreamWorks. Um, But most importantly, it'll make you feel a lot better about your life outside of the Lakers because right now the hidden world for the Lakers is the playoffs. Womp, womp, womp. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, With all that plugging out of the way, it's amazing that we can still be jovial and fun, but that's how we do. It's about to get real dark soon, real dark and raw right now. So Tommy, the Boston game, the lit Boston game that happened on Thursday in that episode, we wrongly said again, This one, this time, feels like a turning point. Here we go. 
I am not falling for that crap ever again, dude. dude. I mean, I said it actually after the Boston game. I said, you know, it feels like a turning point game, but we've had so many of those this season. And this is what always happens. We have like one amazing game and it's like, whoa, everybody, it just clicked now. You know, and then like we'll have two back-to-back games where it's like they've completely forgot how to play basketball. Clearly, a shamrockery, like like yeah. you said on Thursday. Tonight was a real shamrockery, indeed. Um, so the Boston game, it turns out, was nothing more than just a sigh of relief, a quick breather to the brutal beatdown that has been this whole season. It was pretty much just a momentary fix, and like any drug, it just gave us a momentary high that didn't last and boy did it not last Uh, in fact it just had us reeling and at the end of the day that Boston win kind of just swept under the rug a lot of overriding issues and problems that we've had this entire season and even if you want to qualify the season with all the injuries um, all of the roster turnover some of the suspensions that happen early on I mean at this point whatever We're, we're, we're at where we're at right now and nobody's feeling good whether it's LeBron, Clutch, and Magic overplaying their hands at the trade deadline, Magic and Palinka overplaying their hands like they have been the last two seasons, making panic moves like the Zubats trade at the d- trade deadline, which they actually admitted was almost a last-second sort of deal, um, tampering allegations regardless of whether or not they were unfounded, which they were unfounded between Magic and Ben Simmons, and just so much white noise this season, dude. Um Luke Walton most likely having coached his last game as a Laker. I don't know. And if he hasn't coached his last game and he somehow makes it out of the All-Star break, he sure has been acting like a dude who knows he's about to be handed his walking papers. Body language from Luke is terrible. Body language from the players is terrible, especially LeBron. These big games against premier opponents, the Warriors, the Celtics, the Thunder, it's clear that this season those games are clearly just the exceptions to the rule. Again, like I said, no matter how much you want to qualify this season with injuries, and we were good before the injuries happened, et cetera, et cetera. At this point, it just feels like we are wrecked beyond repair. Whether it's LeBron and Clutch's fault, Luke's fault, injury's fault, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka's fault, here we are. I feel like the Lakers have been doing a lot of self-sabotaging this season. I don't really have a clear direction we want to go, but I guess I'll open the floor to you, Tommy, and just ask you... I guess it's going to be a State of the Union address. How are you feeling about the state of the front office? Um, Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka, LeBron James, and the clutch dynamic. I had a lot of people in my mentions actually go actually telling me, I almost wish that we didn't get LeBron James this offseason because look at what it's done. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, obviously, but it's weird for me to say that I can understand the sentiment. Anyways, uh, I'll leave the floor to you. Yeah, how are you feeling about the current state of the front office and just the direction or lack thereof that we seem to be going in? I'm feeling a little bit concerned. And that's, uh, you know, I've been optimistic on this front office since they took over. And I feel like things got off to a good start. But I just think that this they got into a situation too quickly without knowing what to do. You know, mm-hmm. like they... It's all fun in games when it's like, okay, let's blow it all up, you know, top to bottom, get rid of everybody and start over fresh and with all these young players too. And let's all kind of learn together on the fly and like build something over time. It's not going to be, you know, two or three or four or five. We won't put like a timeline, but like the goal is to build like a franchise. But then, you know, you sign LeBron James in the middle of that and 
despite what they publicly said, you know, it, it often feels like they they lose perspective of the big picture and they're getting a little, it feels to me like they're kind of getting a little bit nervous and they don't know which way to go mm-hmm. um, with it because the moves that we made at the deadline and look, I love Reggie Bullock is a very solid player. He's going to be huge for us to close the season. He plays defense and, you know, we, there's a reasonable way we can keep him next year. Like not saying we for sure keep him, but we, there's a reasonable path for us to keep him. So maybe not that trade is such a big deal, but like the Zubats trade, which, which uh, you touched on already, it's like, what, what is the upside in that kind of move? You know, oh, well, we thought maybe it would be better for LeBron to have, you know, a spacing five. Okay, but 20 games left in the season is when you finally decided that that was the right time. And then to get that type of guy, you get rid of, you know, a, cent- a young center who was showing a lot of promise and who uh, was one of your best players overall on both ends, frankly. Tommy, the only competent center that we currently have on the roster. Like, current, like literally, <laughs> no, currently the only competent center. I mean, Tyson Chandler cannot play basketball anymore. He's too old and banged They out. have him in a hyperbaric chamber trying to preserve him for the playoffs, which we may not have. <laughs> they have him in those, in those mud baths from <laughs> Wanted. Wanted yeah. <laughs> and... And they're trying to like, hopefully, like pray that he gets. It's like in it's like in those dra- old Dragon Ball Z episodes where <laughs> it was just things were going to shit, and then you just cut away to like Goku training on some spaceship <laughs> for like the next three months. That's what Tyson Chandler's going to be doing, and then hopefully he shows up in the playoffs and is like eighteen years old again or something. Except but, Tyson Chandler's not Goku. I don't know who you'd put in. <laughs> So, so anyway, yeah, he he's has those issues. JaVale McGee, I mean, JaVale has flashes and games where he's just like, wow, that was, you know, a brilliant performance. But he's just, he is who he is. You know what I mean? So he's not a consistent player. He's the Lance Stevenson of centers. Yeah, like he comes out sometimes and it's just like, what are you doing? It's like on both ends, just constantly making mistakes. And Zoo was the one guy you could fall back on where it's like, okay, at worst, this guy is going to be a passable player. So it's like the floor was so much higher than both of the other two guys' floors, right? Yep. But then, like, he had upside to be, at any given moment, you know, one of the two or th- top two or three best players on the floor. So, you know, that was your upside. And it's just like you get rid of that. with a. He had a very small cap hold coming up. And... For what you know, twenty five games that you hope you can integrate Mescala into this like wonky ass rotation and lineup that you've built, and it's just I, I I get very very concerned about what the actual direction is, and also coaching wise, like I'm frankly I'm fed up with Luke. Um, I again, I, he was one of the guys that I was super excited that we hired, and it felt to me like that was the start, like a step in the right direction, and I think it was. But again, adapting to the circumstances, you we're not building with all the babies anymore. You know what I mean? Like now we have half our team as veterans. We have LeBron James. Like we have enough talent to be winning games right now, and it just feels like Luke is not there yet. Um, you know, he was growing along with this this team as well, and it just feels like he's not there yet. And if you're not going to get him help, which they should have done in the off season, you just have to fire him and and start over. In my opinion, yeah. So I agree with you on the Luke and 
but I feel like the front office put him in an impossible situation here, especially right up to the trade deadline where he had to manage so many emotions and personalities. And it, it was an impossible situation for Luke to juggle with his young guys and trying to get them up to speed and and perk back up for the rest of this season and knowing that the front office and LeBron James pretty much had all of them, all of their bags packed and uh, were ready to send them off. So also just strategically, Luke has not been particularly on his A game, especially with regards to if even if we look back to the Sixers game, the Boston game, you know, the, the Rondo game winner kind of swept some things under the rug, even strategically for Luke. And then the Sixers game, him not staggering one of LeBron, Kuz and B.I. was inexcusable. But um, just to tie it back to the, the Zubats thing, I think what's worse for me about that trade is the fact that Look, on the outset, we kind of figured that it was a panic last-second move just because a few hours before or maybe an hour before when they were trying to facilitate and consummate an Anthony Davis trade, Zubats was presumably going to be in that package. So, of course, it was going to be a last-minute trade if all of a sudden they're like, okay, Anthony Davis trade is not happening, so Zubats, uh, we need to stretch five. Muscala, you scored 17 points and seven rebounds against us. Mike Jaws, let's go. I I forget where I read it, but... Magic Johnson apparently pretty much said that, yeah, the Zubats trade was a last second, last minute move because I felt like we needed a stretch five. There was zero conviction in Magic Johnson's voice. It it felt like they didn't think through that process at all because they had their heads so far up this Anthony Davis, New Orleans Pelicans situation. Their heads so far up the ass of that situation that when they got out of it, they're like, oh, we need to make a move. We need to make a move. Uh, Zubats, Muscala, there we go. Um, I'll give them credit for the Reggie Bullock trade, but that's pretty obvious you make that deal. But the rash decision to move on from Zoo like that without, it seems like, without really assessing their upcoming summer, one, the buyout market, and I guess just the landscape. I, I It's hard for me to believe that they adequately scan the entire trade market for expiring guys who can at least stretch the floor a little and they came down to oh it's just Muscala because I think they were distracted the entire trade deadline with the Anthony Davis thing that and and maybe I'm way simplifying this I probably am but it to me it just feels like they literally spent 23 hours of a 24-hour day thinking about Anthony Davis and then, and then the last hour they just thought of the first person, first stretch five that could pop into their head, and they remembered that Mike Muscala killed us when the Sixers <laughs> came in, and that's that's the trade they decided to make. I mean, look, I I think you're, I mean, obviously you're simplifying it a little bit, but but it's I I think the general sentiment of what you're trying to convey here is accurate, and we and we said it both, I think, before the trade deadline. I, I just hope that they're not so focused on this that they don't have other plans or other guys they're scouting or, you know, all this and that. One of the big things that um, we added, and Rob made a big deal about this, I feel like, when he first came in and, we, you know, we kind of cleaned house, was we brought in – we, like, doubled the size or tripled the size of the scouting department and added, like, NBA scouts as well for other NBA players. And, you know – you know, we allege that we want to be a forward-thinking team that's top of the line, and you're thinking of like top of the line in analytics, top of the line in scouting, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and player development, et cetera. What we're seeing out there does not reflect this. You know, like the signings we make sometimes 
They don't seem to have any bearing on it, like any analytic that anybody can find. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's like questionable player development, question, questionable coaching, like just questionable across the board and starting to get to a point now where it's like, you know, what you're saying is not aligning with what you're doing and somebody needs to step up and be a leader. Yeah. And I think, man, I don't even know <laughs> where to go right now. So I tweeted this out after the game today. I don't think you had time to see it because you just literally finished the game and then hopped on here, or finished a DVR of the game. Um, but you tell me what you think of this statement and whether you uh, align with it. This Lakers team on the court mirrors its front office management. They do well and get up for the big game slash hit the big signing, but then absolutely wet the bed and underperform for the day-to-day grinded out games slash marginal supplementary moves on the side. No, I a thousand percent agree. And it's quite frustrating because again, your words aren't aligning with uh, what your what your actions are. And Rob Palenka constantly compares what he allegedly is trying to build here to or him and Magic are trying to build here to the Patriots, the Spurs, you know, even the Celtics of the last few years, um, just sustained quality. Um, and Celtics, I guess he's, he referred to mostly in the rebuild sense, but you get the idea like Spurs and Patriots, like that kind of sustained product and good quality. And, those teams aren't good because they constantly are, you know, acquiring the top 10 free agents every off season. You know, it's like those teams are good because they know when to make the right signings. They know when to make the right moves. It's not all or nothing because if you put yourself in a position to constantly be good and you have a great player, anything can happen. You know, like if we, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the two max plan, which, you know, we have another summer of is necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying, let's say we weren't so hyper-focused on punting all our cap space. Let's say we just signed like, you know, besides uh, the other max guys who didn't come here, every other top free agent that that would uh, have helped us this year. You can go down the list. I can't remember all of them, but there were a lot of really solid options. And let's say we were willing to go multi-year and we were the number one player in the market and we got all of them. You start to think like, okay, that team would be pretty good. Are are they going to win the championship this year? Probably not. Are they going to win the championship next year? Honestly, you can't say for sure. But what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position. If you make the playoffs as the, you know, fourth seed with LeBron James, anything can happen. You know, you have these guys who are like, you know, you have a multi-year deal deals now and they're starting to show some, uh, show how good they can be next to LeBron James. Those guys start to build value. You trade those guys for other guys, you know, but it's just like, I I just feel like you can say one thing, but it's like the Spurs and the Patriots are not teams that are dumping, you know, assets for nothing constantly with no remorse, no acknowledgement and making like these weird panic moves where it seems like they just can't identify, you know, fringe talent that they could get. And, you know, what the value of other guys are in the league almost. It's not even fringe talent that they can get, but pretty good, maybe above fringe talent that they've drafted for themselves. And they seem to just jettison off into the space because who knows what they have other ulterior motives going on. I I can I can give you a list, right? We have uh, I don't want to relitigate everything here, but look, let's take stock of their moves. The great they sign LeBron James, the good they got a half season out of Isaiah Thomas, who really helped the young guys. They they loved his leadership and acted like he was a 
like a fun uncle of theirs. That was great. And they got a first round pick out of that that became Mo Wagner, who will probably trade next year for a second round pick or something. Someone random, you know? And they were able, in in the process of that trade, they were able to dump Jordan Clarkson's contract and uh, all they had to give up was Larry Nance. So that that was a good trade. Here's the bad and terrible. Trading D'Angelo Russell preemptively to clear up a second max cap space that they didn't end up using because Paul George decided to throw a wrench into their plans. And they got Brooke Lopez out of that. And uh, they were able to make use of Brooke Lopez's one year as a Laker. But then they ended up not trying very hard to retain him when they could have, considering what he signed for in Milwaukee and considering how much he loves Disneyland. Then, in that same year, they let go of David Nwaba to free up 500k more for KCP and Clutch. I'm not saying that's an earth-shattering move and we lost a huge deal there, but David Nwaba is one of those fringe players that you can have on your bench who just can provide hustle and defense, right? And that a team quickly picked up. Then, of course, there's releasing Julius Randle and, uh, and not prioritizing their relationship there with him. Mince drama abounds and all that. So on top of that, with regards to their offseason moves and constructing this roster. Not only did they not prioritize shooting this offseason, but they didn't even make it a contingency plan to at least sign one 40% three-point shooter in the event that Kuz, B.I., Hart, Zoe, KCP wouldn't progress, in the event that those guys didn't progress as much as they had hoped shooting-wise. And that's exactly what's happened. And we didn't have any contingency plans in place, so we ended up having to give up Svi for Reggie Bullock. I'm glad we have Reggie Bullock, but there's a scenario where you can continue to have Svi ride on your bench and actually learn from Reggie Bullock, right? If you had made some sort of signing in that capacity for another shooter who can give you some sort of buffer in the event that the young guys don't progress, which they haven't. And then on top of that, they ended up shipping Zoo out unceremoniously and quite abruptly for Mike Muscala because they were desperate. And in that event, we ended up making our defense even worse. And then, of course, not to forget, they let go of Thomas Bryant for free to presumably make way for Zubots to only then trade Zubots for Mike Muscala, like a three-month rental of Mike Muscala. And um, yeah, this is where we're at. And, and to me, like the one good thing that the Lakers have consistently done during this rebuild area is scouting and drafting. At this point, and I feel like the Pelicans almost saved the Lakers in a way by allowing them to keep or hold on to most of their assets. But for me, the question is, what's the point of great drafting and scouting if you don't develop these guys right and then don't have the patience to see their development through? But on top of it, on top of it, you mismanage your assets by making preemptive moves for things that aren't 100% guaranteed. So what, what are your thoughts to, to that question? This is, what, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to the Lakers almost self-sabotaging themselves, where the one thing that they've done consistently well has been drafting and scouting, but it seems like they're even driving the dagger into their own stomachs with regards to that. I mean, I totally agree. It's like the head-scratching decisions just started to build up over time. The first one was in the beginning of the season when we waived Thomas Bryant. Um, You know, we tried to justify... And look, frankly, Zoo played well, right? But we, we tried to justify it in a variety of ways, but the reality was at that time, the only center we had signed in the off season was javel mcgee at that point and mo wagner was not going to be healthy 
to start the season and there was no timetable on his return. And despite that, you wave, you know, this other center, um, you know, to create a roster spot that what is ultimately used on like Michael Beasley. And this guy comes in and balls out for Washington. And it's like, it's not like we didn't see it, right? Like he was one of the best players in the D league last year. Mm -hmm. Um, he played in the regular season and held his own as like a 19 year old. I think one of the youngest players drafted last year. Um, you saw the clips, you saw the hustle. You, it's just, there was so much evidence and it's like, now we got to wave them. And it's just like, how, how can you just give up on somebody? Like, you know, you, this is like you said, this is the one thing that we've done well. And it's just like mind blowing that they like just they just forget about that and move away from it so quickly. Same thing with Zubots, like you said. Zubots, we scouted him. Um, we chose him over other players this year based on how he looked in Croatia and how hard he was working. We saw how you know Luke said he saw he used to see Zubots like every single day, no matter what time of the day. He was always at the practice facility, always doing something different, and. You know, he was just, like, living there, basically, and that you just dump him for 25 games of Mike Muscala, who, frankly, if he – it's just hard to see even where he fits exactly in the rotation. Um, and it's just – yeah, it, it's it's been so frustrating. Some of, the, some of the times it's like, okay, I get it. Like, as well as Larry Nance has been playing, you can make the argument like, okay, look, we had so many forwards. We knew we were getting LeBron, and there's only room for so many forwards on your team. You can make arguments for some of them, but then there's just too many at this point where it's like, but what about that? But what about that? But what about that? And I'm just – I can't I can't really – I can't take it anymore with this front office. <laughs> Somebody needs to change something. I feel like, you know, they're – the coaching or – what they're seeing on the floor, what all of us are seeing on the floor is not what they thought they were building. So they either need to man up and admit that, like, you know, they botched it here or they need to find a coach who can execute what they envisioned when they when they signed all these guys. Yeah, I feel like when Paul George derailed their plans, because it's very, very clear, especially with how brash they were the year prior, that they thought they had LeBron James and Paul George in the bag. When Paul George derailed their plans, obviously they still had LeBron James, so that's a lot, a lot to work with, and that's an understatement. But it's very clear that the Lakers' front office right now, their ability to adapt, and it kind of mirrors the way that Luke Walton's ability to adapt is kind of slow, and that they just don't know how to pivot correctly. And that gives me concern for this offseason, because now it seems like we have all our eggs in one basket again, but it's for Anthony Davis, who can't be a free agent till 2020, you know? So I don't know what's going to happen this offseason, but I'm not too confident at the decision makers at the helm here, whether it's be judicious with their assets or to finally build out a team this summer and forget about Anthony Davis and try to build the right culture because we've been doing this kick the, kick the max star can down the road punt thing since Kobe Bryant was a Laker and it's hurt the the culture of the Lakers and it's hurt any sort of consistency and um, continuity that you'd hope to have for any sort of basketball team you know so I feel like 
we're just going to do the punt thing again this summer. And this next year will will be another waste waiting for Anthony Davis or we'll make a panic trade at the trade deadline because all of a sudden we'll hear through the back channels that maybe Anthony Davis isn't going to come to the Lakers anymore. And we're going to go down the same rabbit hole that we have been going down the last few years. Yeah, That's I'm... my biggest fear. What were you going to say? No, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the same thing. It's like you said, they're so used to this now. Oh, cap flexibility. And at some point, again, I know LeBron is old. I know the the point is to build with the young guys, but you can still sign other guys. You know what I mean? It's I understand the ultimate goal is the championship, but it shouldn't be championship or just throw the year out the window and let's get in my time machine and try to move forward. Like it's not like NBA 2K where we can you can just sim the whole season and not have to live with the consequences. You know, we're witnessing the consequences firsthand of this of this type of thinking and this this uh, sort of future planning. If if they just tried to build an actually competitive team on any given year, you never know what could happen. If they tried to build a reasonably competitive team, we would be a top four seed in the West this year. Because the West, at minimum, because the West is just top three and then a bunch of mediocres. And once you get in the top four, it's like, okay, we could take, you know, probably the fifth seed in, in the first round with home court advantage. You know, then, okay, we get the Warriors. That's tough, but that's not bad for a first year of all these guys together. And then, you know, you continue to build and, and go on from there and your young guys get better. And that's how you build over time. But I, I always said it's like almost like they got too like greedy. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they just wanted everything at once and they couldn't wait. You know, so when yep. the Paul George thing didn't pan out, it was just like, well, if if we're not going to get it all at once, we don't want anything else. You know, so let's just keep kicking it and we'll we'll come back to it later. We have LeBron. At least we'll make the playoffs, you know, but it's like you can't think like that. Yeah, they got too cocky. We have LeBron. We'll make the playoffs, and then he'll be our biggest recruiter the next offseason. Like, that was their thinking. Um, the last thing I want to want to talk about before we get to the Lakers' remaining schedule and whether it's intermission impossible from here with regards to making the playoffs is Magic Johnson. I feel like our worst fears of Magic Johnson are starting to come to pass. And look, I want to qualify everything in tonight's episode and say, yes, we're prisoners of the moment, overreaction theater, yada, yada. But I feel like we've given the front office the benefit of the doubt for the most part up until this point. But when you actually take a step back and look at the thing in totality, they've done great things, LeBron James. They've done good things, Isaiah Thomas trade, first round pick. But all of the fringe moves on the edges have been terrible. And they're just giving free money away, it seems like. And so with regards to the front office, I'm not even just talking about the moves at this point, but the process with which they've administered things how they've done things i think is the most concerning part about all this outside of just the results of those things um it could very well be the case that we make the playoffs lebron james is using all of this as a ploy to get mvp because look this is the worst possible position we could be in heading into the all-star break and oh my gosh if lebron james somehow gets this team to the playoffs and then gets to the western conference finals mvp all the way that could definitely happen um, again, injuries have derailed this team for the most part, and we were looking like a pretty competitive one. Although I will say that I think we, even when things were going well, we were still a very inconsistent team. But regardless, all those things could still happen. But just talking about 
how Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka have handled things. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I feel like when Magic Johnson first took hold of uh, president of basketball operations, obviously we were very worried about his purred happily tendencies and um, just his seeming immaturity and naivete in some respects. And especially this year and in the trade deadline with how they conducted things and negotiations with the New Orleans Pelicans and how publicly things got. And then even just the damage control that Magic Johnson tried to administer with talking to the team and all this stuff. It's just been downright terrible. Um, I feel like Magic has been making the rounds in, in a most embarrassing fashion. He's been contradicting himself left and right. The, the way that he talked, I think he, he was at a Michigan presser and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go into that locker room and hug all of these guys and make them know everything's going to be better. And then 24 hours later, he's talking to the Lakers meet and he's like, why are you guys talking like to my players like they're babies? They ain't babies. They're professionals. They know what they've gotten themselves <laughs> into. So somebody, I, I can't remember where I read this on maybe on Twitter or something, but somebody made some comment. I can't take full credit for it, but it's almost like if you read between the lines of those two statements, it almost feels like when he was at Michigan State, he that's actually what he was intending to do. And then he was met with a cool response. So when he was interviewed mm-hmm. after it happened, it's like, oh, well, they don't need it. You know, they're all men because it's, you know, it didn't go positively, maybe. Yeah. And I think you can tell from the players' reactions that they weren't very receptive to whatever magic johnson it's like what were you trying to to do dude you publicly (laughs) said you're trying to trade half your team and then you just think you go into the locker room while they're on the road like getting bonding together on as a team and the guy who literally put all of their ass on the line and showed the entire league that he thinks that seven of them are worth one guy (laughs) you know what i mean and you think that it's now your time to go into the locker room and be one of the guys like that's it's just it's just but it's you know it's he deserves blame but again these guys are in over their heads none of these guys have any experience and these are the types of things you learn over time but again we it's it's like we got all these young guys with no experience at every possible level and you know, from players all the way up through the most senior management. And then it's like, we, what did we expect to happen? You know, but it's quite frustrating. On top of it, I feel like Magic and Rob just operate with very little perception or perspective. I think that zoo trade really pushed it over the edge for me just because Look, I know at the end of the day, it's a business, whatever, whatever. But as we've already said, objectively, Zubats was a guy who can currently help this team, especially with how porous they are on defense. But outside of that, even if we take that off the table, Zubats was like the one bright spot of this season that was kind of holding it together for not only Lakers fans, but I'm sure the locker room as well. He is one of the most likable guys in the locker room. And to not even think about that. And look, I, I get it basketball is a business, whatever, you do what you have to do. But to not even think about the locker room chemistry and how tumultuous it already was up until that point, and then to say, last minute, we need to make a last second trade, Zubats, you're a god. Zubats of all people who had the feel-good story of the year, breaking out, turning his career around, was a guy that fans could rally around, that his teammates could rally around, and then to just ship him off, like I said, unceremoniously, for me, that was like a, a nail in the coffin. 
nailed to the coffin pretty much and kind of indicative of how magic seems to operate oblivious to what's going on around him right i think that's that's the best word to, to use right oblivious yeah he's almost like that spoiled rich rich kid persona who thinks he can have everything but complains when he doesn't get what he wants or he doesn't understand why no other kids want to play with him yeah i mean across the board it's they do all feel like tone deaf on various levels you know if you want to if you want to put it that way like magic with his narcissism and he just like can't read that like perhaps he rubs people the wrong way with the way he Mm -hmm. behaves you know what i mean and and same things it's like it seems like at every level casual like I don't know that I'd call us casual fans, but fans, you know, not basketball people, see things happening night in and night out on a daily basis. You know, Lakers Twitter is lucky that it has such a large community. You get a lot of good takes and people are seeing things on like a game by game by game by game basis. And nobody in the entire Lakers organization seems to recognize certain things. You know, or if they do, they're not doing anything about it. So it's just like, it makes you just feel like, what exactly is the goal here? Is the goal to develop the young guys? Because you're not doing that by having a coach who continues to put them in positions that don't like play to their strengths. Is the goal to win now? Well, you're making absurd moves, you know, at all times. And it's just like, it's so, it's very confusing. And obviously we don't mean to, it this seems like it's becoming like a pile on magic and Rob episode. Pile it on! Pile it on! It's the first time we've ever done it, right? And uh, they've been brash, they've been unprofessional. Even if we go back to how they treated D'Angelo Russell, right? And trading him at his lowest possible value. And then on the way out, Magic Johnson bad-mouthing him and saying, this guy can't be a leader. I mean, just, he didn't say that, but he he, he didn't say that, said but that. along the same lines, that was the message that was was put out there to the point where, in his Brooklyn presser, I think they asked D'Angelo, "How do you feel about Magic's comments?" Right, and D'Angelo was like, "I just got to move on and prove him wrong," you know. So, I think he also even talked about Luau Dang and like jovially talked about trading Luau Dang public. I mean, it's just so unprofessional, and they always have to end up having to do damage control. And it's just not a good look. Yeah. And I, I don't know what they can do to fix it outside of just having Genie smile and I just feel like Genie is playing not to Genie's playing like this weird like mother goose role, you know, where she's just like the innocent mother of the house who's just like there and it's like, oh, all my children are they're they're just trying their best, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like she also needs to like take a stand. I mean, didn't Magic put his own ass on the line and say like didn't he give himself an ultimatum like Jim did? You know what I mean? And yes. at some point, if she is not going to be involved in basketball, then she should not be involved in basketball. It's not helpful for, you know, Rob and Magic to try to do their own thing, whether or not they're succeeding is another question. And then to have to worry about like Jeannie going on ESPN and saying like everybody top to bottom is fully committed to Luke. What if they change their mind on Luke since they're the basketball guys? You know, I don't see why she has a role in that, but it just everything. It, it just feels disorganized, and I know it's easy to say because, you know, this is just what it is. When things are going poorly, it all feels disorganized, and then when things are going well, it's like, oh, now it all makes sense. 
but it, it it does feel like there doesn't it does feel like these guys somebody needs to step up here because right now it feels like everybody is treating this like a lost season almost. If Genie Bus is the mom, is Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson are they like the stepbrothers? Are they dumb and dumber? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, they're stepbros. <laughs> um I said this earlier on Twitter, but I feel like Magic Johnson's the Lance Stevenson of basketball ops. Um, when it's good, it's going good, and you clinch LeBron James, although it's debatable how much Magic actually factored into that. I think he was just the clincher with regards to talking about how he made his way up and became this amazing mogul. Uh, but when it's bad, it's so bad, and you are you end up with purred happily comments left and right that you end up just having to do damage control for. And uh, you get some pretty rash trades and decisions along the way as well. So, yeah, that's where we are. It's it's not good. Not feeling great. But uh, let's turn this around real quick to end this episode, Tommy, and talk about how you liked Reggie Bullock hitting some three-pointers tonight. Yeah. Give me something. Dude, so the one positive from this whole, you know, last couple weeks is we got Reggie Bullock. Um the guy is really good. He's finally, you know, we have our knockdown shooter. But what I really appreciate actually is he does a lot of other things. Um, he's a surprisingly good passer, um, mm-hmm. which I did not know about him. A lot of, you know, three-point specialists are not really. He also um, is a really good or solid and strong defender who it feels like you can match him up kind of one through three, which is always huge. So... Uh, really happy with that pickup. I can't feel my face when I'm with you, but I love it. He's the three end, everybody. Uh, credit to Ooh. whoever said that. <laughs> I don't know who said that on Twitter. I think it was the Lakers review. I was like, oh, the three end. I like that nickname, even though it didn't uh, manifest itself in the first game against the Sixers. And I was like, oh, my God, what do we have here? Um, but good on uh, Reggie Bullock for hitting three threes tonight. Six, six of 11 shooting, 15 points, five rebounds, one assist, two steals, one block. He's been pretty active with the defensive stats the last few games. I don't know how good he is actually on the defensive end, but it just helps that he's the size that he's at at 6'7 and also has a pretty long wingspan. It's probably near 6'9, 6'10 or so. So even if he's not a knockout defender, just having that length and being able to bother people is uh, is a good thing. Um, so yeah, here's to hoping that he continues to shoot some threes because I am not relying on Mr. Mike Jaws. Um, Mikey Jizzle. <laughs> Mikey Jizzle. Oh, God. Uh, the All-Star break is here, and uh, man, we could use it. Oh, thank God, dude. Thank I, God. Honestly, <laughs> I was just going to say, like, watching these games has become such a chore. Because yeah, it's, no, totally. it's a slog to get through the games, and then you're just passing time until it's time for the next game because it's like, oh, God, I want another game to get the taste out of my mouth. But it's it just never ending with this team. I just need a break. I know. I'm almost like I take a step back, look at my life. Tommy, you're getting married this year. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World is coming out. And I'm just like, why are you... <laughs> big things happening this year (laughs) i'm just like why are we why are we down on these games why are we so deep in the weeds with these games when we could just be living life and feeling better about ourselves but no we're here (laughs) you're right the podcast is canceled (laughs) it's over everyone podcast is canceled everybody we were on spotify for about a week but no more god bless Um, (laughs) what if we literally just sign off like that and people never hear from us ever again (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
honestly, I feel I, I kind of wish that that would happen for the Lakers. You know, I was like, do they have to come out of the All Star break and do something, or can we just end it right there? End it. End it. Uh, with that said, everybody, take a break. Go outside, kick a ball, <laughs> watch the All Star weekend. I guess. Yeah, and just uh, live life. We were going to talk about the schedule and the Lakers' chances and, and break it down, but I'm too tired to do that. Maybe we'll do it next week when there's no NBA games going on and we can kind of just, uh, I guess, take a, a, a step back a little bit more, calm ourselves and have a more, um, yeah, just, just be in a better frame of mind than the one we're in right now where it's a little, we're a little de- delusional and, uh, yeah, just not feeling great about the Lakers. But uh, with that said... Here's to hoping for the turnaround. LeBron James and his uh, tampering team of All-Stars is uh, they're going to be in the All-Star game. And uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I'm even going to watch that, but we'll see. Uh, Tommy, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes. Like I said, catch us on Spotify. How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World of the Lakers Playoffs Hidden World. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tommy, I will catch you later. And, uh, it's lit. Later. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. 
And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.